Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, it's just Alex and Ryan here tonight um, reacting to yesterday's NBA draft. Alex, the Thunder took four players, three in the lottery, and then an early second. How do you feel just immediately first impression about the Thunder draft? Um, I feel good about it. You know, it's I don't think it's like one of those where I'm just like totally over the moon about it you know I think I, I probably talked last time about the guy the combination of players that would have put me over the top but um, considering how the board kind of fell and, and everything and where we ended up picking I you know I think it was a uh, you know it was good yeah yeah I agree um, I think the thing is last year right I came out of the draft and I was like I don't really understand what we did right taking Trey man a player I didn't really see it in and then uh you know jeremiah robinson earl and aaron wiggins late and i was like i don't really know what we're doing here um this draft it was extremely obvious what we were doing and it's the thing that fits what a lot of people see as the thunder's new plan for roster construction and it's also the thing i want the thunder to do with their roster so i'm really happy about that um you know there are specific players within the four and the, you know, the players who went before them or after them, where you say, well, maybe, maybe there'd be other guys I'd like more, but just overall looking at the draft class, I look at this and I say, yeah, like Sam Presti is drafting a team that I want him to draft. Yeah. I think, you know, last year, one of the things I remember you talking about, you know, the kind of team that you want is a very, you know, it's like a bunch of six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys that are, good at basically everything they don't even have to be great at anything um and that's that is you're right that's what this draft specifically was kind of geared towards um you know obviously we'll, we'll talk about chet but um uh, just the the picks at 11 and 12 like the, those fit that to a t you know yeah. guys that are potentially you know maybe one of them is more theoretical than you know like concrete right now but yeah, that's that's definitely the kind of team we're we're shaping. And um, the the thing that I thought that differed a little bit this year from last year's draft was just and it, and it literally is probably just like these are the players with the skill set and this is how it fell. But I just thought it was interesting the wingspan difference from this year and last year because last yeah. year I don't think we took any plus wingspan guys. I mean, we took guys that had. You know, Giddy obviously had great positional size. Trey Mann has okay positional size and JRE, you know, decent. But this year it was like we took guys with really good positional size and they had like wild wingspans yeah. in certain cases. Just to, just to lay it out all on the table, the Thunder drafted 28 feet and 9 inches of length last night. Right, yeah. And – you know, I, like the the one that's wild is is Jalen Williams, the one yeah. from Santa Clara, because you know he's six six with a seven two wingspan, which is even you know it's pretty Shea esque, um, mm-hmm. even a little bit longer. Um, Usman Jang plus wingspan for sure, um, mm-hmm. but he's already six ten anyway. Yeah, so he's like, like six ten seven foot wingspan. Yeah, uh, Jalen Williams, the other one. Uh, Arkansas Jalen Williams um, to use Sam Presti's nomenclature. Um, he's what like six eleven seven one, yeah. um, and then of course Chet is seven foot seven six wingspan. 
if he's seven foot. He might be taller than that. We talked about that earlier. I I really think he's at least seven one. Man, yeah, he's just so tall. Like seeing him stand next to other tall humans, and you're like, oh, he's you know two or three inches taller than that guy. You mm-hmm. know, and it's it's pretty crazy. But um, so but before we go deep into the thunder, let's just talk about how crazy the beginning of the draft was yesterday because that was yeah that was probably well we can't even we can't even start yesterday we really we need to start the night before that's true yeah so it was like maybe 10 p.m pacific here so that's and that's the time it would be in vegas but you know we're talking the east coast has gone to bed it was actually no it was like midnight Pacific. Yeah. So at this point, the entire country has gone to bed. It's three in the morning in New York and the, um, the boards in the sports books in Vegas make such a dramatic shift. It goes from, um, it goes from, um, Jabari Smith, like minus one thirty as the favorite with Paolo, like plus 600 to go number one. And within 30 minutes, Paolo is minus 130. Um, and Jabari on some books was like a plus wager for yeah. going one. So I, th- I saw somebody compare it to this is the sort of movement you would expect um, if the guy in the lead on hole 18, if he was up to, if a guy was up two strokes on hole 18 and hit it out of bounds. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Like that is the that is the sort of thing that would generate that line movement, and it happened for seemingly no reason. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think it was kind of reinforced that it was for no reason when Woj in the morning came out and was like, "Hey, you know, we're all excited, but it's still Jabari, Chet, Palo right. in that order." And immediately um, after, like he tweets that, and immediately, like the wager on Palo goes to like plus six thousand. Yeah it like completely changes that. And then, you know, then right before it was probably 15 minutes before the draft, maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. I was driving home from work and before the draft started. And like, I, I, I get a message from you. That's like, it's happening. Yeah. Well, because the way Woj, you know, kind of worded it, it, you know, I, I, I don't have the tweet in front of me and I don't, I don't want to go back. And well, it's, it said something. It was like the magic long thought to long expected to take Jabari Smith. Number one are now understood to be strongly considering Paulo Bancaro yeah. for the number one spot. And it's like, you don't tweet this unless the magic are taking him. Exactly. Like, yeah. Woj is, you know, Woj got played just like everybody else in this situation. He's not sending that tweet out with that kind of wording if um if it wasn't Paolo. And then yeah. like a couple minutes before the draft he tweets that he is the favorite to become the the Mavericks or the Magic's pick. And yeah, you know, it was just kind of wild. And and the thing about it, you know, in all time smokescreen by Orlando, like just insane. And, and like, yeah. Honestly, it's kind of confusing as to why they did it. Like, I don't, it's, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable for a few reasons, like to the point where when those odd shifts happen, my thought was the Rockets are trading up because like they got scared 
that Oklahoma City likes Paolo. They're going to trade up to one to make sure they get their guy and they couldn't keep quiet about it. And somebody in Vegas got wind. And then that just like the thought that the magic would take him was, yeah. I've seen some people suggest like maybe the reason you keep your number one that quiet is, you know, to entertain the possibility of trading down if you really think you're going to be able to get your guy. Um, but it was, that was just clearly not going to be the case, right. For the magic. Um, the, yeah, the um, only, the only way the magic, I think we're going to have been able to work a trade down is if they had convinced Oklahoma city that they were going to take Chet. Yeah. And that just, that didn't happen. So now here's the astonishing thing. And to my knowledge, this has not been refuted. Um, the magic didn't talk to Paolo during this process. Yeah. I think the the report was he didn't, <clears throat> he didn't work out for them formally and he didn't meet with them formally. Right. There was I'm no sure there formal was dialogue, right? Like maybe at the combine or something. Right. But, but they never sat down and interviewed him. They never had him in a private workout. I did. Right. They have his medicals. I would imagine, you know, they have the number one yeah. pick and Orlando's not a team that's like, they're not the Kings where teams are just like, or right. agents are going to be like, eh, you, you can't go there, you know, or you, we don't want you there. Yeah. So I would imagine they had that information. Um, but the thing about it to me is when Orlando won the lottery first and got the number one pick, I thought Paolo was the best option for them by far, because mm-hmm. this is a team that they have a lot of young players on their team that, I think a lot of them project to be nice players, but they all project to be kind of nice role players. You know, Franz Wagner had a great rookie year. He's not a number one guy. No. Jalen Suggs, I think, you know, I I still think he can be a good player in the NBA, but guys like that don't, you don't generally have the kind of season he had and then wind up being a superstar after that. I mean, he can still be a good player, but, He's not a number one guy. Yeah. Paolo, we've said all along, has the most, like, the best ability to become a number one scoring option on offense. Yeah. And Orlando has some interesting pieces on that roster to where they can kind of insulate maybe some of the things that Paolo doesn't do defensively because they have, you know, Suggs projects as a really good defender. Markel Fultz is a deep, you know, projects as a good defender. Franz Wagner's good. If Jonathan Isaac ever plays basketball again, he projects he is yeah. a great defender. So, like, there is a lot of that on that roster. So, it always made sense to me that Paolo should be their guy. It was just the entire process. It was Jabari Smith and the occasional, like, well, Chet Holmgren's kind of fits the kind of guys they've liked in the past. Thing. Right. You know, Paolo I also think Larry of- Suggs really wanted Magic to draft Chet. Oh yeah! like this past week, a bunch of articles about Chet and his background came up and they're all Larry Suggs talking about how he was like, this guy's going to go number one in the NBA draft. Yeah. And I think at one point he said that, that Chet and Jalen would be the new Shaq and Penny. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, which I'm is, so that, that didn't happen because that would just be such an annoying storyline. Yeah. Um, especially if Jalen Suggs turned out to need not very good. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, one guy, it, ultimately it worked out. Okay. I guess um, for him, but when this happened, one guy I was really feeling for was Jabari Smith. 
who only worked out with the Magic and OKC. Yeah. So that's like, I feel like that's pretty rude of the Magic to leave him, to like very clearly lead him on like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, because absolutely. like, there's not, I mean, he was, he is such a like, can't miss prospect in terms of what he can provide to a team as his floor that he was not going to fall very far. Right. There's not, he did not a ton of bust potential for him. So he wasn't going to be a guy who could fall in that situation, but other guys in that situation, if you haven't worked out with a team, with a team, like they're not going to be taking that swing on you. And so that could have been a really rude night for Jabari Smith. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, you know, Jabari Smith was introduced to what the NBA is like, you know, on his mm-hmm. first night as, you know, as an NBA player, honestly, yeah. like it's truly teams. They don't really care about you, you know, like you are an asset to them. And that's just, that's the way of the, of the business for, for the NBA and sports in general. So, um, but like you said, it's, I think it's going to wind up. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about him maybe in Houston a little bit more, but yeah. So real like after, after Paolo goes one, you know, the everything I'm just, you know, holy shit, holy shit. And then there was like a tweet, like pretty early. (laughs) I can't believe this happened pretty early in the process. Like it was like probably three or four minutes left on the clock for the thunder, which the thunder usually don't leak anything. Right. Um, And Chris Haynes, who was a good reporter, you know, he's, he's done, he's done a lot of good things in his career. He tweets out that the Thunder are taking Jabari Smith. And that was, you know, honestly, I was going to be excited either way. I was going to be like, cool. Sam liked. There was going to be a part of me that would be pretty disappointed. It's not a rational part of me, but. Right. But I, I thought it was really cool that since Orlando took Paolo, I was really interested to see who Sam Presti had number one on his board because I was confident that it was either Chet or Jabari. And I, so I was really interested to see how that would go. And for like a good 30 seconds, I had enough time to say, Oh shit. And then post that tweet in our uh, group chat. And then you responded, Oh, he deleted it. And Woj just saying Chet's the front runner. Yeah, so there was about a good 30, 45 seconds where we all thought Jabari Smith was headed to Oklahoma City. I want to know what happened to Chris Haynes. <laughs> like, because that's one of those things where that can't happen on draft night. Not with the number two pick. Everybody's watching. Like, yeah. and you have, and you get a bad scoop and you have to delete it. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. That's, that's bad news. Who did he piss off yes i i i have no idea how that would happen you know maybe if i were guessing i would guess like maybe he had multiple tweets ready to go and he just hit the the wrong wrong one one. yeah maybe that's it you know but it is what it is and again like i said this all happened in the span of like 45 seconds so it's not like it was a huge deal and we all thought it was going to be jabari for a while um but yeah the thunder took chet at two and you know i think that's all that's pretty much the guy that we had all kind of settled on was the best option yeah for what for what the thunder building and so what what are the thunder getting with chet and why is he why is he the guy that we all wanted well i think he's he's pretty plainly i think the best 
defensive player in this draft. He's a like a defensive player of the year potential guy, um, which uh, we'll get to the Rockets later and their opinions on that. But <laughs> um, like he's a guy, defensive player of the year potential on the defensive end, um, and just it, an extremely efficient, efficient, which is a new word that means efficient on offense. Right. Um, right. He's an efficient. He's an extremely efficient offensive player. Who take he takes shots from three and makes them at a good clip, and he takes shots at the rim and makes them at an obscenely good clip, like yeah. incredible touch around the rim. Um, he is lethal in transition because he can do he can go either way. Like if you are one on one in transition with Chet, like there's nothing you can do because if you sag back, he's going to take the three, and if you push up on him a slender man is just going to go right past you and score. Like he's an incredible transition player. I think there was a point in the season last year where his effective field goal percentage in transition was like 107%. It's really dumb. Um, Yes. Um, But so like, so, and there's more to his game as well. Like he's a fluid mover. One of those puff pieces, um, which I found interesting, but it's like, you know, this is like, partially some guy's coach trying to get him drafted number one. So of course they say nice things about him. Um, There was a lot, there was a lot of discussion with this um, like biomechanics, like sports science outfit that he's trained with. And they're basically like, like they look for guys who are quote unquote kinematic movers. Um, I forget what examples they give. One of them is like Trey young is a kinematic mover apparently, but the thing that, and they're like Chet, has every potential to be the largest kinematic mover we've ever seen. And they're like, and we like, they study like positioning and movement to look for potential red flags for injury possibilities. And they're like, he has none. Like this is a guy who just moves elegantly with his body. Um, And it shows in his play, Sam Vecini raves about his defensive IQ. Um, He's like, maybe the best, like in terms of defensive anticipation, the best prospect he has ever seen. Um, and there's a little, there's a little bit more to his offensive game in terms that he didn't really get to use at all in Gonzaga in terms of th- hitting things like Dirk fadeaways, which he has done in the past, but never really became a staple things like being a pick and roll ball handler, which is probably something he can do, but wasn't really asked to. Um, yeah, that's, that's Chet. Yeah, that is Chet. And I think the thing for me that that sold me, you know, obviously all of those things, it's like, yeah, it's it's cool that a seven-footer can do that. But to me specifically for what the Thunder are building, I don't think every team um, in this draft would or should take Chet over a guy like Jabari Smith because, um, you know, the fit is is interesting for a lot of different teams, but for the Thunder specifically and what they're trying to build with this team of guys that can just do everything, the hardest spot to fill if you're trying to do that was always going to be the center position. That's correct. There's just not a lot of guys that can do that. Chet is one of those guys that can do it. And the fact that we were fortunate enough in this draft to get up to number two to land Chet Holmgren. Um, it's just, I think, I think Sam Presti was probably just 
over the moon to be able to get that to be yeah. able to do i think i, I don't like think there's any I don't think there's any doubt that if if we had had the number one pick, I think Presti's taking Chet Holmgren. I think there are like three people on the planet who project to be better at what we imagine, like what we imagine for the center position than Chet. And one of the future teammate, you know. <laughs> well, it's like Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Victor Wimbanyama. End of list. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool to see the the plan. You know, I think it kind of is the the plan that Presti is is building is it's able to come together a little bit easier now because we we have that center position filled, and you know, just having a guy with this skill set offensively, you know, having a five man that projects to be a great three point shooter. Think about the openings that, like, we have Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's led the league and drives the last two years with dog shit spacing mm-hmm. on this offense. You know, imagine the things that, you know, a guy like Chet can open up for him, you know, with Giddy as well. I think Giddy's going to improve in his ability to attack defenses as he gets older. And mm-hmm. that's just going to be really helpful. But then all of that going with the fact that you said, you know, he has defensive player of the year type upside on defense because it'd be one thing, you know, you get this offensive, you know, perfect fit, like what's going to happen on defense. The fact that he's going to like drastically improve our defense, probably from day one, even. Right. Um, It's just huge because, you know, his median outcome as an NBA player is probably Rudy Gobert with a three point shot. That's an awesome (laughs) NBA player. Yeah, you know, and there is a lot more that he could tap into. Um, that yeah, it's it's really exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, as we move on, I think like the Thunder are gonna have the thing with Chet and with a couple of the other guys we're drafting. I look at the team we're gonna put together next year, and the Thunder are gonna have to be pretty creative with lineups to be bad defensively. Um, <laughs> like which it's they they can do and it like these are all young players so they're not going to be immediately incredible but like the thunder were really good defensively for most of last year and they're adding the best possible player at their weakest defensive position yeah so you know this is it's going to be really interesting <laughs> yeah for sure yeah, for sure it is and you know i think one of the well, Maybe we'll talk a little bit more when we get to our second round pick, but I think there is going to be a certain amount of protecting Chet, you know, yeah. especially early in his career. He's not going to be a full-time five man. You know, I would honestly, I would guess that he probably is the starter at the four next year. And mm-hmm. that's something I'm okay with because, you know, next year doesn't really matter, you know, to yeah. be honest, as far yeah. as, as winning games and, you know, even in the future, we're going to close with Chet at the five, you know, and if you can play another guy that can, can do some stuff to relieve pressure of, you know, taking those body blows, that's not named Walker Kessler. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited about that. that yeah. Prospect, so. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll talk about when we get to the second round, but yeah. Um, um let, let's go to, let's go to 11 because, um, well, this did anything is, happen in between two and eleven that you want to 
talk about at all? Or do you want to come back to that? Well, let's come back to it. Let's, okay. let's go through the thunders, the thunder stuff. And, okay. Because uh, there's a there's a lot of things that happen. Yeah. Yeah. So 11 wasn't a draft pick the Thunder had. Right. Until it was. Um, this was another thing where in the moment it was very confusing. Um, because the first thing you see is tweets saying the Knicks are taking Usman Chang. And I was like, what are they doing? That make like that makes no sense at all for them. And it's horrible news for Jang, right? That's like yeah. that would be like guaranteeing he busts. Going to the Knicks where he will play behind Julius Randle. Yeah. Like he will not see a minute on the floor with Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. That was that was what I was thinking. And I say that like I knew what was going on because I was driving because I had a an event last night that caused me to miss practically the entire draft after essentially Chet. Um, so when I found out that the the Thunder had traded for it, obviously I think we all assumed that they had traded up from 12. Yeah, um, to 11. And I was like, why? Yeah, I was like, I mean, I, I get maybe, I get why Presty likes Jang. We've talked about Jang as maybe the thunderiest guy to have ever existed. Um, we'll get into the, the specifics of that later. But it's like, I don't think New York would have wanted to take him. So why would we need to leapfrog them and only them to get him when we're picking one spot later? Um, And then I look at the tweet about the trade again, and I see that it says multiple future firsts. And it doesn't say 12. And then I think you tweet and you're like, or you message uh, and you're like, did we keep 12? And I'm like, yeah, I think we did. Yep. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Right. You know, and it's like, I don't even, at this point, I'm not even really concerned about what we paid for, which we'll get to. But I'm just like, for us to be able to just go into a draft and get a guy is like, this validates the project. This is why you poured those picks, is right. you just traded into the lottery. Yeah. So they, the, the picks they traded were all, mostly lottery protected picks um, at least initially. And, you know, two of them are, are the picks that they got last year for essentially trading Shingun mm-hmm. to the Rockets. They traded those two picks, uh, protected picks from the Pistons and the Wizards. And then they also traded a pick that they acquired in the Steven Adams trade. That was a, a lottery protected pick from Denver Um for next season. So, you know, that one's, that's probably going to be in the late twenties. Cause I think Denver's going to be awesome next year. So, um, but in all likelihood, none of the picks they traded are going to be as high as 11. You know, with that said, three first round picks for 11 is it's a, not a low price. You know, I don't think it was a situation where you go in and say, Oh, Presty fleeced them, you know, but it, no. I think they, they paid, value the value they felt like was appropriate and the fact that the apparently the Cavs were super high Mm -hmm. on Usman Jang as well um and they were also in the kind of they were kind of bidding back and forth for Usman Jang and the Thunder in the that kind of situation they just can't be beaten you know yeah it's just the reality of the situation this was absolutely the most 2k thing Sam Presti has ever done (laughs) just like just being like, oh, there's a guy on the board. I want him. And so you just like take a billion draft picks and throw them at the throw them at a team until they say yes. Yep. 
That's exactly right. And, um, you know, like you said, Usman Jang is, is about as thundery a guy as has ever existed. Yeah. He's a guy that um, you have been kind of higher on, like you've talked about him more, you know, like in our group mm-hmm. chat and everything. And um, he wasn't a guy that I paid a lot of attention to just because I was, I don't know, just wasn't that interested on the surface. Um, but as you look, you know, obviously you go back and, and you watch stuff and, the, the, my quick thoughts on him are when I, when I watched his, his highlights, it was like a five minute video, like his handle is really impressive to me because yeah. like he was stringing together some moves like that. You just don't see six ten guys string together very often. You know, yeah, it no. was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, like I didn't really know that that was, what that he was capable of doing that at this point he's so he's young and you know he's playing you know he's playing in the nbl which is a quality league um and the fact that he was you know beating guys off the dribble at 610 and stringing together moves i i was pretty impressed by that so what what else is there to know about usman jane what are we getting um i mean you've nailed the ball handling um he's uh, i mean the other so in addition to his skill, I think he's, you know, there's there there's some concern that he needs to tighten the handle a little bit. But I frankly, I don't know how much tighter a six ten guy's handle can get. You know, he gets low when he dribbles, um, impressively low, um, which makes him a good driver. Um, he's not very strong yet. Um, I should come out and say, like, Jang is a project. Um, he's not ready to come in and set the NBA on fire. Um, he started his season um, in the NBL playing really poorly for an awful team, like the New Zealand Breakers, I think, was what he was on, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. One of the worst teams in the NBL. I think they shot 30% from three as a team. It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, keep that in mind. So he's playing as a, you know, a teenager in – one of the most physical leagues in the world. Um, he doesn't, I mean, he speaks English, but he's French. Um, so it's not his first language living out of hotel rooms. Um, and it showed in the first half of his season. Um, but in the second half, he started getting things together. He shot the ball way better. Like ultimately his percentages are still not incredible, but like you can see that the shot is not off the table with him. Um, and he started doing things like um, finishing through contact really well. Um, he's a good passer. He's not like incredible. He's not Josh Giddy. Um, and he's not LaMelo Ball. Um, but I mean, almost nobody is those, are those guys. But in ter- But he's like, he can make skip passes extremely well. He can use his height and his length to get the ball to the corner, um, which is a useful skill in the NBA. Um, and defensively, you know, he's not very strong. Um, and he's not a twitchy athlete. He's very fluid, um, which is good, which is a good thing to be at his size. But the reality is he's not super fast or super bouncy, um, but he's pretty smart. And that shows in his defensive game. Um, and this is gonna, like, I just described like every player as a Thunder pick from here on out. 
Um, defensively, you, yeah, he's a guy who's going to be limited a little by his athleticism, but he has so much size that like he could, he's still, he's not going to be a liability on the defensive end unless he just doesn't develop at all strength wise. Um, and yeah, and I think he's going to be a smart player. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's several things to like about him and, you know, you mentioned a few of them, but one thing is just, he's a true wing. You know, like he is truly a wing and the Thunder don't have a ton of those guys or they didn't prior to to last night on their roster. And so having a guy that projects just truly as a wing defensively and offensively, yeah, uh, just from a positional standpoint, I think, you know, it's worth taking swings on guys at those positions. You know, if you're going to swing on a guy, I would would prefer it to be a, a guy like Jane, you know, to be honest. But um I also think that, you know, if you look at his frame and his size, like, I think he's going to be able to fill out pretty well. Like, he doesn't look yeah. – he's not a Poku Chet Holmgren even. Like, he's not that kind of guy where it's like – and he is concerning with how skinny he is. Like, is he a healthy person? You know, like, he's just like – he's a young guy that needs to put on some weight. I, and it'll happen. Yeah. Um, like you just look at his shoulders compared to those yeah. two and it's just completely different. Like you recognize like, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I think as he gets bigger and he fills out, that could really help. Hopefully. I mean, in an ideal situation, like offensively, one of the things with him is that he's just not, he doesn't really play through contact at all. Like he's a guy that kind of shoots a bunch of floaters, even mm-hmm. at his size, like, so maybe as yeah. he gets stronger, that part of his game can develop. And then defensively, you know, if he gets bigger and he's putting on weight, he's going to be able to guard up and, you know, guard any three, four that you would need and probably some fives, you know, as he gets bigger. So, yeah, um, that's really, really helpful and useful for this, for the way this team is, is being built specifically. Yeah. His floater, you know, you mentioned his floater. It's a weird shot from him because it feels pretty low um and he uses it from pretty far out um and you know you'd like to see him as he gets stronger take those balls in and finish through contact but he you know he he didn't shoot that shot at a horribly low percentage which i think projects well i think at least for his touch yeah agreed agreed and you know the the shot you know that he that he has now like from three I think it it looks decent you know and like the fact that he's able to shoot off the dribble already yeah yeah like, I think I think that he's gonna be okay in that regard this is not the kind of this is not one of those like oh he's long he's toolsy or whatever that he's gonna have to develop the shot like we'll see if that happens like no I think there's a pretty good chance that that does happen yeah and the uh, shot off the dribble and this is partially um, a degree like a function of how good his handle is is he's just he's really fluid getting into it so if he learns yeah. to shoot from a from a catch and shoot perspective he'll be able to shoot off the dribble off the dribble yeah yeah no he's he's interesting for sure in that in that regard just the off the dribble stuff if i mean if you if you got a guy who's six ten that's shooting threes off the dribble at a good percentage at 11 you're, yeah. you're pretty good about giving up those three protected picks you know and so we'll see he's a project you know he's probably he he honestly will probably look 
really bad this year. You know? I think I saw um, he somebody. It might have been. It might have even been Sam Sini, um, in some draft reactions. I've talked about him as looking almost as being almost uh, like a Bruno Caboclo light in terms of he'll he's going to look like he's a year away from being a year away. Yeah. Well, Poku esque even. You know, I think right. he's probably a little. I mean, he's he's played much better competition than what Poku had. Right. Yeah. Like the there league. was some some people were like suggesting Poku as a comparison for him, and it's like that's so rude to the NBL. <laughs> like right. they 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 like they were putting up vaguely similar shooting percentages, but it's like he was doing it in the NBL, and Poku did it in the Greek second division. Like right. Yeah. No, it's. I don't think him and Poku are, are particularly similar. And, but just, I think that it's likely that, you know, the first couple of years of Jang's career on the court could, it could look pretty, pretty bad at times. So, but just, you know, you got to hope that he improves and develops. And yeah. you know, I, I think the fact that he's not ever, you know, if he develops into one great, but really all he needs to be able to do, is like shoot it and then everything is going to be fine because we have the guys that are going to make 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 his life easy and so just shoot it and you'll be all right usman that's that's really my my take on the situation um so we kept 12 we did and you know the thing about this draft too is that you know and when we did our our mock draft in the last pod, you know, it it was a situation where it it became kind of obvious that the guys that we all liked were, it was unlikely that they were going to fall to 12, you know, like it was like, maybe it's a function of what teams were picking in the top 10. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think, and we were talking earlier about this. It's also like a function degree, which like, I think scouting is starting to become pretty optimized. Yeah, it's getting much better. And, you know, you get you get teams like Portland that hired just hired Mike Schmitz and they, you know, he's he is on video talking about how much he likes Shaden Sharp. So, I mean, we yeah. shouldn't be surprised that that Portland took him. So um, the Thunder wind up getting Jalen Williams, the first Jalen Williams we'll talk about from Santa Clara. And um, this is a guy that I think post, you know, post-college season, he was like, I think Vassini had him in like the fifties, mm-hmm. you know, like post-college season. And then I think people started to like, you know, he had a great combine and that kind of forced people to go back and look at what he actually did right this year. Cause and- the thing about the combine is that, you know, he went from prior to the combine, you watch Jalen Williams. film and you're like, Oh, that guy's got pretty long arms. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the combine, they measure just how long those arms are and they're, seven foot two right from fingertip to fingertip yeah he's a six foot six wing guard type guy with the seven two wingspan and you know so so people went back and and checked out the film and it's like oh he was the primary initiator on his college team and shot it great in spot up situations and can really pass it can really handle it you know um potential on defense you know and Mm -hmm. so like He's a really interesting pick for the Thunder. And it's just like, you know, now that we've made the pick and, you know, it's, you know, it's easy to say this, but it's just like, of course, this is who we picked. (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> like absolutely. Why would we have thought that we would pick anyone else? You know, like him and Jay, both. It's just like, this is exactly what the Thunder are doing now. Like neither yeah. of these guys are great athletes, but damn, they can both dribble the ball. They can both pass the ball. They both have really good size for their position and a bonus. They both have plus wingspans now. So like it makes all of the sense in the world. You know, I think some people might've looked at it as a, as a reach at 12. I don't think it was because, you know, there, there've been reports that the Cavs really liked him at mm-hmm. 14. The Cavs, apparently they liked Jang, Akbaji and Jalen Williams. Those, that was their three guys. And we took Jang and, you know, who knows if, you know, if we're at 15, 16, they might take Jalen Williams in front of us. So, um, right. We took, we took the guy that we needed to, to, that we wanted at the position that we had. And, you know, I think it's similar to what the Spurs did last year with Josh Primo. And yeah, um, I think we're getting a really good player. Like, I think, you know, he projects pretty easily as a guy that could fit right along next to Shea and Giddy and Chet and all those guys, just cause he, he can do everything on the court. Yeah. I should say, by the way, one last thing about Jang is that he is super young. Yeah. He will not turn 20 during next year's season. That's true. Yeah, he is. He was one of the younger, younger guys, younger guys in the draft. So yeah, that's really exciting. Joe Williams. I think, I think he's going to be like 22 this year. He's not particularly young. Like he is, he is a, he is more of the high floor guy, Mm -hmm. which which is fine. Like I think getting of both of those types, getting a project and then a high four guy to go with Chad, I think was really good use of the two picks. Um, I will say that I think that there's, you know, every year, you know, it's been talked about quite a bit on, on Thunder podcast that it seems like every year there, there's a guy in like the 10 to 13 range that turns out to just be way better than we thought they would be. And I think Jalen Williams has the potential to be able to be that guy, you know, because he does some pretty high, he did some pretty high level shot making stuff at Santa Clara. Yeah. You know, I know it was West coast conference, but like the stuff he did was really impressive and like he can create for himself and others at a really high level. And maybe that just, you know, maybe the NBA things kind of open up even more for him, you know, and he really takes off in that regard. So um, I'm, I've got my eye on him as a guy that's like sneaky as a get, maybe has a higher ceiling than we think he does. Yeah. And also just like another guy who is going to generally do the correct thing on offense and defense, every possession. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and defensively, has it been like weird to you that like some people, like some draft people I've talked about have like, talked about how he kind of sucks defensively and then other people are like, Oh, he's really good defensively. This is a great pick because he's going to defend next to Shea and Giddy. And it's just like, huh? Okay. Yeah. I, and I really tools. think it's, yeah, I think it's a question of like lateral quickness and it's just like, yeah. if you, if you, you either are just like completely out on his ability to stay in front of guys or you're not completely out on that. And you're looking at a guy who's got a seven foot two wingspan and you're like, Oh, he'll be okay defensively. Yeah. Well, and like I was watching a, like a film study thing with him and, and Mike Schmitz today. And 
you know, the, he, a lot of the times apparently was tasked with guarding point guards in the, mm-hmm. in the NCAA, like he was, and he talked about how, um, well, like first, another thing to know about Jalen Williams is that he was like five foot 10 and then he grew like eight inches now. And yeah. he's, so it took him a while to like get used to being tall. Like he kind of, he learned the game of basketball as a short guard. And then he became a tall guard and completely had to relearn how to kind of operate. And defensively, that was one of the things he mentioned was just like, you know, being, you know, getting used to guarding guys um, at his size at six, six was, was difficult for him because he was, he was the smaller guy for so long. Yeah. So um, I think the, the longer he's, the longer he's able to just, you know, be in this body that he has and the Thunder are going to put him in a position to be successful defensively. I think if, if Mark Dagnall's proven anything, it's, it's that he's a good defensive. Coach. Yeah. And, and it's funny to think about because, you know, this is probably not something people put a lot of thought into, but that really is a very different um, situation to be in, to have to suddenly go from like, oh, my hips are going to be below everyone I guard to, oh, they're going to be above everyone I guard. That yeah. like, you just, that completely changes what you have to do defensively. And so it's like, to me, it's like cool that he was able to put that into words because I think that's, that's like a good yeah. insight. Uh, and this dude is like incredibly like good, like good to listen to talk. Like he is very insightful. Mm-hmm. and what he says like it's it was one of the more impressive interviews that you hear from guys like he was like you know Mike Schmitz was asking him a lot of questions and he had like thoughtful answers for everything a lot of guys just like yeah it was open so I took the shot you know and it's like cool thanks guy but like yeah Jalen Williams was you could tell that he kind of was thinking things at a higher level than most guys so that was that was really nice to to see um, you could tell us he's like the quintessential Sam Presti guy. Like, honestly, you know, if I had watched this video, listening to him talk about the game, I would have been like, yeah, we're taking him at 12. You know, that would have just been, it would have been so obvious that we're, we're taking Jalen Williams at 12. But yeah. And the funny thing was um, I went back and watched the um, Sam Vecini and Matt Penny, their podcast live reacting to the draft. And I think they had um, they had Adam Spinella on for part of it, yeah. including the bit that um, where yeah. the Thunder draft um, Jalen Williams and like Sam Vecini steps away and Spinella and Penny are talking and like they've realized that the Thunder still have 12. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're probably going to take Jalen Williams, right? Yeah. Well, Spinella was like, I hope they do. Like, he's like, I think that's the guy that mm-hmm. that I, I hope they take for him. So and I like it. I think it's a really great pick. Like, I mean, you know, there wasn't any guy on the board left that I was like, oh, they've got to take this guy. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Shaden Sharp was there and they took Jalen Williams instead of him. Like the only guy you could probably say that was there that, you know, like maybe they should have taken, like maybe if you're an AJ Griffin guy, I'm not. Yeah. Maybe if you like centers, Jalen Duran was right there. But again, with both of those guys, you're having to talk yourself into aspects of them that don't fit into what the Thunder value. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And Jalen Williams, just he checks all of the boxes that the Thunder, um, the Thunder are looking for. So 
on to the next Jalen Williams. Uh, <laughs> right. What a hilariously thunder <laughs> thing to do to draft two players with the same name and just the torture that they're inflicting on Michael Cage and Chris Fisher. Like, oh my God, I didn't even think glorious. about that. Glorious. Yeah. I, it was during the um, during the press conference afterwards. Uh, I think it was like, uh, yeah, somebody's going to need to get a nickname pretty quickly. Yeah. And I want Michael Cage to come up with the nickname because it'll be hilarious. <laughs> so I personally, I'm just going to say I like Michael Cage. I think he's great entertainment. I think he provides genuine value to the broadcast. I do too. But that's like, because what I, I don't need him to explain things to me. So exactly. Like I understand why, you know, why like people don't like him and yeah, like, okay. But the dude, I think he's genuinely seems like a really nice guy and he is genuinely entertaining to yeah. me. That is my also take on Michael might Cage. still have the best haircut in NBA history from his time playing. True. Yes. Yes. Oh absolutely. But man, like I'm very excited to see him and, and Chris Fisher with his, you know, just hilarious. The way, the way he says Shea Gilgis Alexander's name and Shea Gilgis, Shea Gilgis Alexander, like it's incredible, but um, what, what a team those two are. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other art, the Arkansas Jalen Williams, he is a, he's a four or five guy from mm-hmm. Arkansas, six foot. I think he's six ten. Six ten. Seven one ish wingspan. Seven one. Yeah. So center size, like he's got plenty of size. You know, from from what I've gathered is that he's a very strong guy, too. So he's gonna be able to to guard down low in the post. Um, the thing that's the most interesting thing to me. Well, I'm gonna say two things. Um, first of all, is the passing on offense. Like he is he's he genuinely seems like a good passer and defensively. Guy took a ton of charges. Yeah. And <laughs> even though I absolutely despise the charge, if you've got a guy at his size that's really that has a knack for taking charges, that's a really good sign of defensive IQ and anticipation. He was unbelievably good at taking charges. He took 53 charges last yeah. season, more I, than one per game. Clo- I wonder maybe close to or over two charges per game. I wonder how many of those are like actually legitimate or if it was like, here's the thing that has to be the college refs call charges way, way, way too often. I watched them all. What some of them, some of them were pretty suspect. Yeah, I'm sure like (laughs) that it's, it's just impossible for them. Not like, but the thing about college refs are awful. Yeah. It's a couple things with that. First being like college refs are awful too. He is an astonishing flopper. Yeah. He will make people so angry. I'm sure SEC basketball fans hated this guy. Well, I'm just – I'm remembering, like – so I think I watched, like, two Arkansas games this year. One mm-hmm. was against Oklahoma when we played them, and the other was against Gonzaga. In the, yeah. in the tournament. What does everybody remember about the Arkansas-Gonzaga game? What is Chet it? Holmgren fouled out, and it was bullshit. We That's have the guy responsible for that. Totally true. That's 100% true. <laughs> and – the other the, with the thing that I remember the most about the OU game was that there was a stretch in that game where I think it was five possessions in a row ended in charges, like both ways. It was 
I was so mad watching that game. And I am sure I don't, I don't remember who was involved. I'm sure Jalen Williams was probably involved in that exchange of five possessions in a row where they, right. they ended with charges. He, uh, there's um, he drew a lot in their game against LSU in one of their games against LSU, including like a game clinching charge, which is the most college basketball sentence ever uttered. Yeah. Um, the, the dude, and this is what makes me really excited about Jalen Williams playing with Chet Holmgren. First off, obviously tough as nails. He took 53 charges. Um, but the dude knew how to get in position better than almost anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. Like that is a guy who, whose positional awareness is at the highest echelon. Combine that yep. with Chet Holmgren, who is another guy like that. That is that's that's like the lineup for just some astonishing interior defense. And now he's not an incredible rim protector. Most of his rim protection was standing just outside the restricted area. Yeah. But like if you can get there, um, generally what will happen in the NBA is the guy won't run into you, but he also can't get to the basket. So that works. Yeah. Yeah. There there are more than more than one way to to protect the rim. You know, you don't have to do it with blocking shots and um, altering shots, you know, you can do it by preventing the shots from being taken or, you know, redirecting the guy into a guy, other guy named Chet Holmgren, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's really exciting. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's great to have a guy like that on your team. It's absolutely infuriating to play against a guy like that. Yeah. Um, the, and we have the best comp ever for him. Right. And it's yeah. just, yeah, the guys, he's Nick Collison. It's Nick right? Collison. You know, we've got a guy who is great at taking charges and he's a really good passer. That's mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, he's going to be great out of the short roll. Yeah. And he's going to take a ass load of charges. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Thunder 2.0. Think about this. Think about this. How about Jalen Williams, Santa Clara and Jalen Williams, Arkansas running pick and rolls. Oh yeah. How are you going to communicate with the bench unit? You know, it like <laughs> I remember I remember Thunder fans like the Nick Collison, James Harden pick and roll was like their favorite thing that's ever existed. Well, guess what? And we've got the Jalen Williams pick and roll now. How about the Jalen's Williams? Jalen's Williams pick and roll. I'm I'm very excited. Very yeah. exciting stuff. Um, but yeah, the one other possible and I'm sure this played a role in why the Thunder picked him. Um I, I think the Thunder probably are hoping, and I think they probably think there's a decent chance that Jalen Williams shoots it. Mm -hmm. um, the numbers from three in college are bad. Like, I'm not going to say they weren't. No, it was they, like 29%. They, yeah, I 27, 29%, something like that. But shot up decently. I think he was in the 70s from the free throw line. Um, and took he them took, readily. He Sorry. took threes. Yeah. He took threes. And I don't think that a lot of like just kind of watching some of those attempts, a lot of them were not high quality three point attempts. Um, I don't, he's not going to be allowed to take low quality three point attempts for the thunder. Right. So I, there's some potential there, um, which even more, I think leads, leans to the, uh, the Nick Collison comparison because Nick Collison at the end of his career was, he was hoisting up some corner threes. So um, 
I think that this is, I, I really like this pick, you know, as, as far as, you know, if you're going to take a center, um, I, you know, don't take the, the big dude that can't move like Walker Kessler. And I like it better than taking a guy who's just like a, a lob threat. You know, I yeah. think he brings more to the game than, than yeah. a true Which lob threat. We, and we should mention he's not like, and he, one of the things I like about him is that in interviews, he's very clear. He's like playing above the rim. Isn't my game. I don't try yeah. to do that. That's yeah. not how I can make an impact on the basketball court. Right. I, I think he's just a super smart player. And honestly, the dude, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Nick Collison in him, but the, he also, the pick reminds me of Jeremiah Robinson Earl as well. Yeah. You know, like I think he's maybe got a little bit better physical traits. Like maybe he's a yeah. guy that, you know, whereas JRE is a four or five that leans more towards the four, Jalen Williams is more of a four or five that leans more towards the five, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully they both learn to shoot. I think, you know, Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl's ahead of him at yeah. that in that regard. So, but I think that. <laughs> The yeah. idea of them is both pretty similar. Yeah. I had a, like, uh, he's kind of like this. This is going to be one of those comparisons where like people are not going to like that. I said this out loud. He's kind of like, what if Jordan bell was really thundery? Oh <laughs> yeah. Bell's certainly a better athlete. Yeah. yeah. But I guess that's part of the thunder thing now. You're right. It's yeah. Just, he's, you know, like Bell's what if Jordan athletic. bell was super new thunder? <laughs> yep. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Um, Hopefully he's not as, uh, yeah, Bell turned out to be kind of a head case. Yeah. 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 I, I did, and I don't think there's any chance that, that Jalen no, Williams. No, yeah. Jalen Williams out. seems, he seems super well put together. He's going to have his jersey tucked in every time he checks in on the court. Like, yeah, <laughs> um, this. The, uh, um, the other, so another fun thing about him, uh, I, you know, I, I looked at this as close as I, as far as I can tell, this is true. He's the first player of Vietnamese descent to ever be drafted. Um, cool. He's um, which Oklahoma city has a big Vietnamese population. Shout out to Oklahoma city's Vietnamese population. Um, he will probably be the first Vietnamese descent player to play in the NBA. Um, unless Utah really likes what they get out of their undrafted signing Johnny Juzang. Johnny Juzang. What a great name. Great it's name, it's a great name. Yeah. Johnny Juzang. Yep. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's neat. Like that's a cool little yeah. tidbit right there. But, he's from Fort Smith. Yeah. Like kind of pretty local. Like that's, it's really cool. Like I, you know, the, the thunder, they say it every year and this, you know, this is another way that I, I think that, you know, my, my, take on the draft has changed in the last couple of years is that like, I do think that like cultural fit and the personalities of these guys really truly matters more. Like I value it more than I ever have before. Yeah. Um, Because I think that like, you know, if you look at the guys in the NBA that overachieve, like inevitably it is these like super high character guys that are smart, you know, you don't like, it's so rare you get a guy coming into the league and it's like, he's kind of an idiot, but he's so athletic that it's, you know, there's still something, you know, it's so rare that those guys turn into like something more than they're projected and like getting a bunch of guys, like both Jalen Williams, like these guys are just super impressive. Yeah. Um, like uh, and they're older. So I think having guys like that on the team next yeah. to, 
young guys like Chet and Usman is, is really helpful. Yeah. Um, some other like high character stuff from this draft. Chet's from Minneapolis and he was like a noticeable vocal part of the protests um, that occurred there after George Floyd was murdered. So it's like, uh, he's like a high character guy. Yeah. Well, Chet seems awesome. Like I, I've always, <laughs> I've always liked, you know, liked him overall and like Presti last night was like, he said, I think his quote was Chet was the person for us. You yeah. Know, like he, he loves like, that. God, he yeah. loves saying things like that. Yeah, he does. You know, and like we draft yeah. people. Yep. Yep. But I'm, but, you know, I'm in on it. And I'm in. I like, there's a degree to which it's like, at the end of the day, <laughs> like we talk a lot about the Thunder U thing. And now it's like we're in Thunder U 2.0 or whatever. But it's like, it's important for these guys who are like growing up together to like be decent to people to be around yeah. and to like each other. Well, and I, I think it also kind of speaks to kind of what they've learned as an organization. Yeah. And not to, you know, KD, Russ, Harden, all of those guys, you know, if you, if you have a chance to draft those guys again, you would do it. Right. Um, but I do think that, you know, Russ, I think Russ is the exception, but like Harden and, and KD were both guys that, you know, they turned out not to be the most like thunder culture type guys. Right. You know, and I think that that is something that they're, they're actively, you know, looking to, to find and as a, as one of the primary things with right. these the players they draft. And I think it's like, it's just a recognition of, as like Sam has said frequently through this process, like they got really lucky to be in a position to get those guys and for those guys to develop the way they did. And you can't just expect that to happen again. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And you know, if, and maybe if you get a bunch of guys like that, maybe they'll want to stay, you know, like, honestly, that's at the end of the day, like if, you know, if, if Chet develops into a superstar, you know, maybe he, he fits, fits in here really well and, and he wants to stay. So, right. You know, you, you, we drafted a guy from Minneapolis, a guy from France, a guy from Gilbert, Arizona, and a guy from Fort Smith. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, I, I can think of another basketball player from Chile, Minnesota, and he loves it here. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, he shed some tears over how much he, he yeah. loves He's loved Oklahoma city. So, um, so that, that was the Thunder's draft. And, you know, I, I think, you know, next up is, is summer league and I can't wait for that. <laughs> like that's going to be incredible. Like what's, uh, what's, what's the lineup? What are, what you are we going to see? It becomes hard because the Thunder drafted four guys again. Yeah. The Thunder have drafted what 11 guys in the past three years. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, right? Yeah. That's more than a playoffs rotation of guys. Right. And I mean, would we expect all of those guys to be at Summer League? Like we would, right? I'm trying to think if there's anybody from 2020. Because Poku's going to be there. Poku will be there. I think Vit is going to be there. I think I've seen that. The only guy who might not be there is Teo. And if it's because maybe there's not a place for Teo on this roster anymore. Yeah. I but, mean, that's entirely possible. But I, I, it's also possible that all 11 of those guys are on the yeah. summer league, so, which is ridiculous to have 11 draft picks on your summer league team. 
what uh, what's your what's your starting lineup? Um, I think you probably have to start Gideon Man. Um, maybe you can start Jalen Williams over Trey Man, but I think I think you probably have to start Gideon Man. Um, at that point, you're probably playing Jalen Williams at the three. There's so many guys. God, I think I think you go Jalen Williams, Poku, Chet. I think that is your starting lineup: is Giddy Here's, Man Williams Poku I Chet. Predict. I predict because I'm not sure Giddy will. Is Giddy going to go to Vegas? I know he's going to be in in Utah. I d- I don't know. I had just assumed Utah. the teams would be the same in both because they're happening pretty close together. But okay, if um, but Giddy could be a guy who like misses one of them because he doesn't need to be there because he doesn't yeah hopefully i mean ideally giddy shows up and it's like he's too good to be here send him home or just don't play him right that would be what we would want to see because that's that's the step you want to see for him but for like game one i think our game one starting lineup in the summer league which you know what a great topic this is um, i think giddy and man are your your backcourt I think you go Poku at the three. Ooh. I think JRE is your four. And I think Chet at the five. I think that's your lineup. Um, I think I think Poku gets it because of the, the seniority factor. You know, he's going into his third year. Um, mm-hmm. And then. Well, I, I was thinking Poku at the four, but right. fitting JRE, like JRE is a guy that I was like, I forgot about in terms of making this. Yeah. I, I think that's. I think that makes sense to me, you right? Know? And then, and then you still on the bench. You've got the Jalen's. You've got. Uh, I think you have to put the Jalen's in at the same time, right? Agreed. Agreed. Hundred percent. They I mean, have, we have to check to into that. a game at the same time to start. We have to careers. see that pick and roll. I mean, we have to see the Jalen's Williams pick and roll like that has to happen. Um, so you've got those two. You know, Vit Crecci, six eight ball handler. Um, who am I? What am I missing here? Um, oh, Aaron Jang. Wiggins, Aaron, Aaron Wiggins. Wiggins, yeah, Usman Jang, Aaron Wiggins. Holy shit, like this genuinely minus Shay is just the thunder, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like um, we need to win, we need to win summer league, otherwise, <laughs> what, what kind of prospects do we actually have on this team? Right. You know? um, I mean, Teo Maladon last year in summer league was just like so clearly an adult out there. So yeah. I would expect this team to clean up in summer league. They've got to. The, got the, to I do like the Jalen's Jang. Um, who else was in that lineup for you? Aaron Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins. And Vit. And Vit. So that's five ball handlers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Arkansas Jalen Williams isn't a ball handler, but like a short role playmaker. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the, and the thing about it too, is that like, from like a point guard standpoint, like, or just really a size standpoint, like the smallest guy we're putting out there is Trey man. And he's like six, four, six, five. Yeah. You know, like that's awesome. You know, we're not, you know, from, in terms of like important players on the team, you know, we're not putting any like point guard size guys out there. You know, that's really cool. Yeah. Talking about this though. So the Thunder have drafted like 11 players in three years, eight players in two years. 
the the roster crunch is becoming very real. Yeah. So do we want to talk about what we think that will look like moving forward? Yeah, sure. I think that's I, a good a good yeah. way to go. I mean, I think first off, you know, uh, Jamichael Green, obviously not really on the roster. Um, Derek Favors. Derek Favors. Like, those guys are gone. Um, if Like, they will be cut if they're not traded because there's just not room for them to play basketball. Yeah, what do we have to cut, like, five guys or something? Four or five? Uh, I can't remember. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly where, where the roster stands today. Well, yeah, because the other thing is there's also a bunch of garbage on our roster. Yeah. Well, and the the two guys from like a young player in quotation marks standpoint that I am like, just cut them. I don't ever care to watch them play basketball again is Ty Jerome and Isaiah Roby. Like those are yeah. the two I do not care about. I think those are probably the first two guys that get that get cut from the team. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree, especially with Ty. Roby... I mean, he just with Jalen Williams, Arkansas on the team now, I just don't see what he does like. Yeah, because he's already he's so clearly established already behind JRE. Like, right. So he's a guy that has only really played when we were trying to lose games. We were actively trying to lose. um, And that was when we would put him out there. So, like, I think that says something, you know, it's like we like you as a person, but we don't actually think you're that good. You know, it's kind of how I feel about what the Thunder think about Isaiah, Isaiah Roby. Um, so those two, you know, not a problem. Get, yeah. get them out. I personally, if we cut Teo Maladon, I, I'm not really going to care. I'm not going to cry about it. No. no. There's just too much ball handling on this team to yeah. be upset about that loss. Right. Because all he provides is that he's a functional lead guard. Like he's just a guy who can take the ball up. And and he's probably like not even really that. You know, right. like he's like when he's playing well, he's a backup yeah. point guard. Right. And there's just like there's like 10 guys on this team who can handle the ball. So yeah. Yeah. Like that that to me is is where I'm at with him. And um and Vit Trechi is also a guy that, you know, maybe, but like. His, his first couple of years have been so injury riddled. And I, I think yep. the Thunder, I mean, I don't think the Thunder have to like him because they took him at like fucking 34 or something. Right. He, this is a guy who didn't make the cut on Vecini's board. Like, right. Yeah. Vecini's board goes to 100, you know, like, and he was not in that group. But the Thunder drafted him in the 30s. Right. And like, genuinely difficult to Google on draft night. Yep. Yep. And, but I think the Thunder want to see what he can do if he is healthy. And like, theoretically, he is a six foot eight guy that can handle the ball, pass, dribble, shoot, can do all of that. And, you know, he's had these injuries like before, like, I think he came into the league with an ACL tear from his time in Europe. Like before that, he was a guy who was known as a bit of a slasher. So I, I, I could understand if the Thunder were interested in seeing if he could get that back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, give him this year. And if he doesn't show it, then, you know, it's no, you don't lose much. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that that's kind of what I would look for is, is that kind of group. I, I think, I think Roby and Ty Jerome, they just, they need to go away. 
like honestly. And then yeah, favors. There's no need to have a guy like him on the team. Just play Chet and Jalen Williams. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jermichael Green. Yeah, same thing. You know, yeah. you don't need Jermichael Green. So we can keep um, Mike Muscala around. He can retire here. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, th- I think the Thunder have kind of tied themselves to Mike Muscala. And, yeah. You know, for, for what I, you know, Sam Presti I mean. flying out yep. to the shores of Lake Minnetonka. Yep. And, and you know what's funny, though, is that, like, the version of Mike Muscala we've seen in Oklahoma City would have been really awesome with Russ. Like, yeah, like, oh, so legitimately, kinda... <laughs> like, some of the best basketball Mike Muscala has ever played. Yep. Yep. Cost us Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, you know, that's we, we probably would have we probably would have drafted some guy that right random, you know, or we probably would have taken like Teo Maladon. Well, what well, what probably would have happened is that that pick would have had to go into the Poku trade. Probably. Probably would have gone into that. So, anyways, um, cool. So other what well, you know, real quick. Let's talk about some other teams. Yeah. And what they did. I, you know, the the Rockets got Jabari Smith. I think that's like the best fit for them. Um, yeah. And that annoys me. I don't, I don't like that personally. I just I don't like it because it's it means that somebody on the Rockets is gonna play defense. Yeah, I don't I don't like that at all. Oh. Um, um so I, I I will say this until they t- so the Rockets took Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, and Ty Ty Washington. Did they take anybody else? Did they take Ty Ty? I don't. Yeah, they took okay. like on at twenty nine or whatever. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did they take? Uh, did they take Wendell Moore or did that get traded? Houston Rockets draft twenty twenty two. Let's see. Because he's a he's slotted at twenty six, and I know Houston had that pick. Um. Who did they take? Okay, I'm on their thing. No, they traded. They So this was when the Timberwolves decided that they were just going to make every trade for the last 10 picks in the first round. They traded two – they got two seconds and traded from 26 to 29 and took Ty Ty at 29. Gotcha, gotcha. Man, so this is, this is really interesting because the Rockets and the Thunder – I don't think they could be going about their rebuild more differently. No. You know? And so my, like, like the thing with the tie tie pick is funny to me because I think prior to that, I was like, this team has no plan offensively. Like no. they like at that, they've got like five guys who are going to hold the ball <laughs> and then do something unexpected with it. Yeah. Well, like think about this lineup that they could run, like, for whatever reason, they're they're in on Kevin Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, so they've got him and Jalen Green as the backcourt. Like they could throw out Tari Eason and Jabari Smith Jr. at the three and the four, mm-hmm. and then Alperin Shangun at the five. Like right. that's so like just that's like the opposite of what the Thunder are going to be throwing out. Right, that honestly. is four guys who are going to be looking to score in isolation whenever the ball touches their hands yeah. and Alperin Schengen. Yeah. And then like, just from like an IQ standpoint, like, you know, I, I wouldn't say that any of them are just like, I mean, maybe Tari Eason is, you would call him a low IQ player. He's just like, a guy. I, 
Tar- the thing about Tari Eason is I think on both sides of the floor, he's out of control a lot of the time. Yeah. And I, I like Tari Eason and like in a vacuum, I like all of those players uh, other than Kevin Ward Jr. or whatever. Um, but it's just such like a weird fit. And mm-hmm. like, I, I'm really interested to see it, but man, you're banking on, on a lot of, a lot of things happening and developing. It's interesting. Like the thunder, the way the thunder have built their team is that they're essentially banking on guys developing as shooters. Right. You know, and if the thunders guys develop as shooters, they're going to be awesome. The rockets guys mostly can shoot, but if they don't develop their basketball IQ and their ability to function defensively, those two things are like really hard (laughs) <laughs> you, yeah. you know like i think man. like the rockets a lot of the time are gonna look like the celtics when they were playing bad yeah yeah that's it's gonna be wild i'm excited i'm excited to see it and like you know the and, and, and honestly what will probably happen is that the rockets will suck next year and they'll get victor Wimbanyama, and then it'll all be fine because the world hates the thunder but mm-hmm. um but yeah, that it's going to be wild to see right. how that how that goes. And I just talking about the Rockets, I do want to bring up one thing I saw that I just that just blew my mind that this was said, which is that the Rockets think that Tari Eason was the best defender in this draft. I don't think Tari Eason is the best defender as the Rockets drafted. Yeah, I I think from a defensive tools standpoint, that could be true uh, because I think he's. You know, things that I've heard, you know, Sam Vecini talk about is that he's like, he's strong enough to deal with fives mm-hmm. down low. And then he's athletic enough to deal with, with guys on the perimeter. Um, so that is, it's interesting. You know, I think maybe from an upside standpoint, you could convince yourself that that's the case. I wouldn't agree, but I could see how you could, you could talk yourself into that. Yeah. Um, the Kings, they did the Kings thing. I God. honestly, I knew the Kings were going to take Keegan Murray whenever, because there was a report that Vivek, that was his guy, that Vivek Ronadive wanted Keegan Murray. And as soon as you heard that, you should just feel like, yeah, that's what they're going to do. Right. Of they're course. Take him like they took Sauskas. Like, yeah, they're going to take him. I think Keegan Murray's good. He's going to be okay. Like the Kings, they're just going nowhere, man. Like, because Keegan Murray is not like they're going to be starting Sabonis, Keegan Murray, and Harrison Barnes. That's probably the slowest front court ever. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like those, those guys can't move their feet. Like Barnes is the best out of the group and he's still not a great lateral mover. So yeah. like they're going to suck defensively. You know, they've hitched their wagon to De'Aaron Fox, who is, he's good, but it's not who I would want to hitch my wagon no. to man. Like I, I feel bad. That the Kings fans are having to deal with that, you know, like they got this like great stroke of, of luck. They moved up from seven to four and then they drafted a guy that was like probably in the seven range. You right. Know? I don't like, think he would have been there at seven, but like could have been though. Yeah. He absolutely could have been, you know, like it's just, it sucks for the Kings, but like, you know, that's just the, the yeah. Kings. They're always going to be the Kings. Yeah, they jumped from seven to four. And I'm sure like Vivek was like, oh my God, we jumped the Pacers. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. Um, I absolutely love what the Pistons did 
in what they came out with. Like, yeah. I love like Jaden Ivy to Detroit was like my favorite non Chet fit, you know, like mm-hmm. my favorite non Chet to the Thunder fit. Like, because like Cade is awesome. I think Cade is going to be incredible. Um, but Cade is not Luka Doncic. You know, no. he's not a guy that like you want eating up 100% of your possessions and creating everything for everybody all the time. No, like having a guy next to Cade that is very, very different than Cade from an athleticism and speed standpoint is so perfect. You know, like I heard, um, I think it was Mike Schmitz talking about, you know, not not to say that this is how it's going to go, but he almost like he kind of comped it to like a Russ Harden pairing. But like when Russ was good, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you get that like speed and that like aggressiveness to the rim. And then you get the guy that's going to like dribble and shoot it and do all kinds of, you know, passing and all that stuff. Right. Like it's like with Cade and it's just I think the fits awesome. Like, yeah, I love it. And like Ivy is going to like every night Ivy is going to draw the elite athletic defender from whatever team they're playing. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to need to put your fastest guy on him. And what that means is that Cade Cunningham is no longer guarded by that guy. And so the fact that he has difficulty getting around people, it's not that big of a deal anymore. Right. Yeah. It it lets Cade, it's just going to let Cade cook and and it's going to make things easy on Ivy too. Like I really think that like, the fact that Ivy is is going to be in advantage situations off the ball, like, and because Ivy can shoot it, you know, like he's mm-hmm. not like this knockdown shooter, but like he's, you have to respect the shot, I think, a little bit, and I think he'll only get better in that regard. So, absolutely love the fit. I thought it like I thought it was really cool. Apparently, his mom played in Detroit in the WNBA, mm-hmm. and his dad played. Um, maybe in the NFL or his granddad, like his granddad and dad both played. Right. His granddad, his mom and his dad all played sports in Detroit. And the, um, the Pistons presented him with like replicas of all three of their jerseys. Yeah. And that's just like, Troy Weaver knows what he's doing. Like, God, he's man. It like makes so much sense that like, yeah, him and Sam work together. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think they probably like, truly have a little bit different philosophies on what they want their teams to do. Yeah. But the way they run the organization is, it's just, it's yeah. the same. You Cause know, I, I, I do, I'm, I'm really starting to believe Troy Weaver is like a true believer in taking the hyper athlete, but yeah. Unless it's Cade, unless it's know? Cade. Well, right. if you have the number one pick and it's Cade, then you take yeah. Cade. Um, yeah. And then they also got Jalen Duran. Right. Which I love it. The weirdest Absolutely. trade. Yeah. That ended with New York sending Charlotte four seconds. Yep. So weird. Um, yep. So, yeah. So they got Jalen Duran. They got potentially the two best athletes in this class. Yeah, I think that's probably, I mean, I think, you know, Tarison up right. there. And it's, yeah, for sure. Like those two guys, and Duran's probably going to take some time. Duran's the youngest player in the draft. Yeah. But, putting him in a situation where he can play off of Cade and Ivy is, is just perfect for him. Um, you know, and like, see, I get, I get excited when other teams take centers in the lottery, like this, this is not the thunder taking a center. So I'm excited about it, but, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it just makes a ton of sense because right now, like Detroit, 
you know, for their five positions in their, their rebuild, you know, for the five positions on their next good Detroit team might be settled. You know, yeah. like if, if things develop the way they want them to, mm-hmm. like Ivy, Cade, Sadiq Bay, and Jalen Duran. And that's that's pretty good. You know, if you can find another wing to kind of put in between Cade and Sadiq Bay, you could have like this like really switchable two through four. All of these guys are like six eight or something. Like mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Um and yeah, no, it's I'm I'm really excited about what Detroit's got going. Um, which is not a sentence I've said, I don't think ever in my lifetime. So, um, Oh my God. Cause even when they were good, they were like the most unwatchable team in yeah. basketball. Yeah. The <laughs> filling up the stands for Chauncey Billups, Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton, man. Like I will tell you this right now. Well, I was in like, I think I was in the fifth grade when, and they just like destroyed the Lakers in the finals. Mm-hmm. Like that just, as a probably 10 years old, I it like I I hadn't known heartbreak yeah to that level at by that point in my life. And that was that was truly terrible, truly a terrible time for me. But um anyways, any other any other guys that you like like fit wise in the draft that where they wound up? Uh Jeremy Sohan is a spur, which makes sense. Yep. Um Trying to think of something. You know, here's a weird one. The Heat took Jovic. Yeah, I was surprised. I I think like that that is the ultimate. Like we will. I we I swear to God, Pat Riley's patented workout system is gonna make this man athletic. (laughs) Pick I think I have ever seen because the alternative is that Jimmy just murders him on the on the court. (laughs) He's gonna miss a switch and Jimmy's gonna go get a gun. Like, (laughs) yeah. There's like the, that's the only two ways this, that this can go. Yeah. Like um the Warriors taking Patrick Baldwin Jr. was one of those where I was like, oh crap. Like that could work out for them. That could. Yeah. I mean, if he reaches the potential, like then it's just like, well, shit, the Warriors have another really mm-hmm. good shooter with good size. Yeah. You but know? the thing about like there's there's no getting around. Vicini called him the worst athlete in this draft class. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. I I wasn't a, a Pat Baldwin fan, um, you know. And like to me, like it's gonna take. Like he, he's got to refine himself. Yeah, because you know? like he was. It's not that he was bad at Milwaukee. It's he was not draftable by how bad he was. Yeah, like I mean, this is a guy who like we we talk about his athletic limitations. Like he was playing bad basketball on a bad basketball team. Coached by his dad and not trying very league. hard. It yeah, was a terrible league. Like he, if he was not a consensus top five guy, there's not a chance. Like he was a consensus like top five guy going into this year in college. Right. There's not a chance in hell. He no one would know his round. name. Yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, I think he shot like twenty six percent from three. Shot under forty percent from the field. He was awful defensively, like just didn't, didn't do anything well, you know, but like, you know, maybe it'll work. I mean, and honestly, it doesn't matter if it works or not because it's, you know, it's the Warriors, but like, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Like there were a lot of guys that were picked after him, after the, you know, after the Warriors selection that I would have been more concerned with them getting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so all in all, I think it's fine. Um, honestly, like maybe a little homery of me. I really like that the Lakers traded in and got Max Christie. He's a guy I liked. I would have mm-hmm. loved if the Thunder had wound up with him at 34 too. Like I, I'm a fan of his. So, but yeah. what uh, do you think? What's your take on the Knicks night? Man, the Knicks are so fucking stupid, man. Like, <laughs> dude, like, why? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're doing this to clear cap room. They, they got rid of Kemba, you know, $9 million off their cap or whatever. I can't believe who they're clearing cap room for. Like, why are you trying to get Jalen Brunson, you know? Just an idiot franchise. Just Like, if you were doing it to get Kyrie, I would understand it. I would think it's dumb, but it's understandable. Yeah. You know, because there's a ceiling there with Kyrie. Like Jalen Brunson before the playoffs was not a guy that you're thinking, oh, we've got a clear cap room to go get. Yeah. You know, like what if you had done that for Reggie Jackson last year? You would have looked like an idiot. Yeah. Like, and I like Jalen Brunson and I I hope he winds up going back to the, to the Mavericks. I I have a, I suspect he's not going to do that. I suspect the Knicks know that he's probably coming or else they wouldn't be doing this. Um, But man, that's, you know, the Knicks are just, they're, they're always going to be the Knicks. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 like, and it's like, you know, they, you could say they leveraged Oklahoma city to get three first round picks and it's like, sure. Sure. But yeah. they could have taken somebody at 11. They're not a good basketball team. They should think yeah. about that. Right. Um, no, like they, like their best young piece is RJ Barrett. Mm-hmm. RJ Barrett's not very good. You know, like, I love, you know, I say RJ Barrett's not very good. There's he is not very him, good. He's but... not very good for being your best young yeah. piece. Yeah. You know, like he that's is not problematic. He's, yeah, he is not a star. No. And like he's not he... projecting to become a star. No. If he were like on the Thunder, then I think it'd be really interesting because he's like, oh, he's like their third or fourth best piece right. in their young core. Like that's really interesting. But if he's the kind of crown jewel of what you have, young player-wise, not good. And then you pass up an opportunity to add talent to the team, you know. And maybe are they going to re-sign Mitchell Robinson now since they didn't take a center in the I mean, draft? do they have cap room to do that and take and get Brunson? Maybe. I mean, I, I guess they can go over the cap to sign him. But yeah, I who, who the hell knows? Like I, and then like. Okay, let's say you get Jalen Brunson. You're running out Jalen Brunson, Evan Fournier, or no? I guess Fournier. No, Fournier's gone. gone. Fournier, where is Fournier? Uh, well, he's still there, but they have to trade him to get right, to right. get the room for Brunson. I, um, I swear, I saw a deal. I don't. I mean, I don't think he's traded yet. Maybe it was but, only proposed. Yeah, like, I mean, you're still running Julius Randle out there as your starter at the four. Like, man, that's not great. Oh, yeah. It was reported that they were going to try and get Fournier back into his exception in Boston. Oh, really? Yeah. No, that won't happen. No. No, that's dumb. That's not. <laughs> Imagine trading happen. a player, creating an exception, and then trading back for that player to put into that exception. <laughs> yeah. Like he was bad in Boston. Like Boston doesn't want him. I would be, I'd be shocked by that. Yeah. Like now nah, this, oh. This team is painful. This team is absolutely painful to like think about. Man. Obi Toppin is still there. Yeah, man, he can dunk a basketball. 
Obi Toppin is 24 already. My God. He's only three years younger than Julius Randle. That's insane to me. I didn't realize you know. Julius Randle was already 27. Yeah. 27. He's a guy who really needs to be 24 for me to th- feel anything about. Yeah. No, he's, man, the Knicks, they suck. God. Yeah. Um, but is there, is there anyone else that you're, you're interested in what they did on the draft? Like, I think the Spurs, like, they just seemingly do this thing where every year they just take the guy that falls to them. Mm-hmm. It seems like, or they like, you know, Sohan and, and Primo, but like, you know, I think getting Malachi Branham is interesting for them. Yeah. You know, like I like him fine. I think he's better than the 20th best prospects. So, I mean, I thought that was a pretty good little, little pickup for them. And, and Blake Wesley has, has an upside, has pretty good upside too. So, yeah. you know, the Spurs have like a million guards on their team um, mm-hmm. and how are they going to play them all? But, yeah, well, I, th- I think with the Spurs, it's just a team where they're going to make, they're going to do their research and come to a decision and they're just not going to be very stressed about it. Right. Yep. Yep. Man. Cool. Any- anything else you want to talk about? Um, nothing really comes to mind. Um, kind of still a little surprised Portland didn't trade the seventh pick. Yeah. But of yeah. course, we've talked about the Mike Sch- Schmitz, um, Shaden Sharp thing. Yeah, to me that that felt totally like a hedge for them. Like yeah. I, I think that they know that things might not work out with Dame, which is smart. Um, and the fact I wonder that if Mike Schmitz told them that. <laughs> I wonder, yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, like, I mean, I'm sure that that Portland went all in to try to get OG and Anobi, right? Um, and Toronto just didn't want to do it, and yeah. which makes sense, like. You know, if, if Portland could have gotten OG, then like that's a pretty interesting team pretty quickly. But yeah, now it's I like, did see um, this might have been Matt Moore who pointed out, you know, that's a team with Dame Lillard, who is a star, Anthony Simons, who you probably need to get reps into, right? You need to get the ball in his hands to get value out of OG Ananobi, who thinks he is a star, and Jeremy Grant, who also thinks he is a star. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, it, it could have it could have been like too many cooks type situation, right. but, but, paper, but if it works, works. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad it didn't happen, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I think within the next year, I think they will probably finally figure out, okay, this is truly, truly not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, and he's already in his thirties, like, you know, go, go try to win somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, he got swept in a Western Conference Finals. Yeah. And then Portland will have Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, and whatever they get for Dame to start their rebuild. And that's not a bad place to be. No, it's not. Because Simons is good. Simons is a good player. And Simons and Sharp, similar-ish situations coming into the league. You know, they <laughs> drafted Simons out of prep school. Like, right. You know, so it's it's fairly similar, and you know it, right. it worked out for him then. So, right. you know, and you know, you're sense. that's a team uh, we haven't talked about this at all, um, I, and I don't know where this stands now. But Phil Knight has been making a big push yeah. to get in to get ownership. That's a, that's a team that's ownership is going to change one way or the other relatively soon, um, and so you know, it's it's probably smart to at least for a while play two timelines. Um, yeah. I also wonder about the Jeremy Grant fit because this is a guy who went to Detroit specifically because he wanted to play for a team with a black GM and, uh, now he's in Portland. Yeah. I, I didn't, 
Didn't know that. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, it could work. You know, I, I mean, the thing about Jeremy Grant is that I, I think he is, you know, it, when he's in a role that he's taking the kind of shots that he wants, that team's not very good, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. When he's in a role, like when he was on Denver, I think that was like the perfect role for him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know? you know, I really like Jeremy Grant as a player. I, we obviously we really liked him as when he was on the Thunder. Yeah. Um, he's not a guy who should be even the number two option for your team. No. Um, you want you want him to be like fourth, right? You know, at, you want him honestly. to be taking wide open corner threes or attacking closeouts. Yep, hundred percent. There's no need for him to initiate offense. There's no need to run post-ups or, you know, clear out a side of the court for him. None of that. Yep. Agreed. Um, Cool. Is that all we got? I think that's all we got. Ending with uh, Jeremy Grant trash talk. Everything on this podcast comes back to Jeremy Grant eventually. Um, Thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, You can find us uh, on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store on Podbean, on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now, you'll find us in the future. Um, leave us a review if you enjoy it. Follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi and at Perd underscore Hapley. And we will see you later.